you're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, my name is Doug Mensch, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Epic Marvel Podcast. You're joining us for Moon Knight Episode 1. We're calling it Bad Moon Rising, and this covers a period of Moon Knight from the beginning of its career, or his career, 1975 to 1981. I am your host, Curtis Findlay. And I am the Moon Knight expert, Eric Findlay. (laughs) Nice. This episode follows Moon Knight's early career as it's laid out in the Moon Knight Epic Collection Volume 1, Bad Moon Rising. Eric, can you tell us what can be found in this volume? Yes. We have Werewolf by Night, numbers 32 and 33. Marvel Spotlight, numbers 28 and 29. Defenders, numbers 47 through 50. Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, 22 and 23. Marvel 2-in-1, number 52. Moon Knight 1 through 4, Hulk Magazine 11 through 15, 17 and 18, and number 20, and finally Marvel Preview number 21. That just seems like a lot of material. <laughs> oh man, is it? And it's a, it's a grab bag because a lot of this is uh, various Moon Knight's various appearances before he got a, a steady gig in a regular monthly. Right, and I've known him... Uh, through his regular monthly, but I didn't actually know that some of these earlier titles um, existed. I mean, I knew his first appearance was in Werewolf by Night 32, but I didn't know that he had these sort of in-between ones between that appearance and when he got his uh, regular series. So this was kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's really neat to see the evolution of this character. Um, He really uh, goes from one version to a pretty different version by the end of this one book. Mm -hmm. This is actually a great episode for those of you who love the creator commentaries that I put in here because I got to interview three people who are are quite involved in Moon Knight's creation in these early years. Uh, I talked to Doug Mensch, who created, who wrote all of the main Moon Knight stories in this book. Uh, So we'll hear a lot of clips from him because he had a lot of really interesting things to say. Um, I didn't get to talk to Don Perlin, who is the person, the illustrator from Werewolf by Night, who came up with Moon Knight costume and such. But um, I'll ho- hopefully I'll get him down the road, especially when we talk about Defenders. I'll, I really want to get Don Perlin's input in Defenders because he was a illustrator for that one for quite a while. I also got to talk with Ralph Macchio, who was an associate editor through for the black and white magazines and he was the kind of the guy who revived moon knight and was sort of his champion for uh until he got his own monthly series so we'll hear a couple of quotes from him so you might say that he was moon knight's conshu but yeah (laughs) he's a great guy he's the sec this is the second time that he'll be on the show and then the third person i got to talk to is bill sinkevich who uh is the main illustrator for um for Moon Knight through the Black and White magazine and also through his monthly series once he got that. And he's got some great things to say too. 
Um, so I'm just playing clips from these interviews, but I'll, through the coming weeks, I'll be releasing the whole interviews for everybody to hear. And I think I'll throw them up a little early on Patreon for those of you who are supporting us there. Support now. So uh, the question I usually ask to start us off is, Eric, what do we need to know before jumping into this book? Well, Moon Knight is often described as Marvel's Batman uh, <laughs> because he is a rich guy. Um, who dresses up in a cape uh, in order to uh, scare villains and uh, take it to the streets. But he's actually very different. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because that very thing is mentioned in all three of the interviews. Um, <laughs> and and um, especially Doug mentions like, people always say that, but that's not the case. I no. didn't want that. And then Bill Sienkiewicz says, um, and he expands on the fact that he grew up in the Neil Adams school of, right. of, of art of illustration. Like he worked with Neil Adams for a bit. And, uh, um, and of course, Neil Adams is a big Batman artist, um, before this. So when he came to Moon Knight, he illustrated in the Neil Adams style, right. which of course referenced Batman quite a bit. <laughs> right. But, um, whereas Batman has no powers, um, Moon Knight actually does have some powers. Yeah, kind of off and on. They kind of play that. Like, and again, in the interview, Doug keeps on saying that he doesn't have powers. So to further the Batman similarities. Um, but yeah, we'll, let's get into we'll get okay. into the powers yeah. a little bit later. Um, so he, Moon Knight, is a mercenary turned hero whose powers if he has them, are derived from the phases of the moon granted by the Egyptian god of vengeance, Khonshu. Mm -hmm. um, in these early days, Moon Knight's secret identity, Mark Spector, um, the mercenary, had created two alternate characters which he used to fight crime, the millionaire playboy Stephen Grant, who funds the operations, and the street-smart cabbie Jake Lockley, who gathers intelligence from the streets. And... Back in these days, dissociative identity disorder and multiple personality disorders were not recognized as unique disorders and were often diagnosed as schizophrenia, which we now know is very different from multiple personalities. So it's interesting that in this book, um, there are many uses of the phrase schizo and some are, you know, in a derogatory way, but others are merely... Um, Moon Knight or Marlene sort of stating this is how um, this is how Moon Knight's life is um, meaning very uh, disjointed especially when he's jumping quickly between his uh, personalities or roles mm -hmm. yeah and um, maybe I can I'll, I'll play our first clip right here yeah it's of Ralph Macchio talking about how Moon Knight is he doesn't have uh, what's it called? Multiple personality or Mul dissociative identity. Dissociative identity disorder. Yes, I think that the situation was that uh, people seem to look at this and go, oh, okay, he, he must be schizophrenic because he's got all these other personalities. No, no, no. Jake Lockley was a cab driver because he could be the street-level guy at which Mark Spector could get criminal information. You know, and Stephen Grant, well, as a millionaire... He did business and, you know, was, was connected with many, many high-level people, both politically and financially. So he got information there. So all these other characters and identities he assumed were with the full knowledge of him knowing who he was. So, but, but there has been this tendency to kind of play that, 
as, oh, he must, you know, these multiple personality disorders and things like that. I never saw it that way, and I still don't see it that way. So as Ralph was saying, back at this period, he wasn't intended to be schizophrenic or have multiple personality disorder, um, although they do use the word uh, schizo or schizophrenic to describe his jumping between characters. Yeah. However, in more recent comics, um, he has been these characters that he plays have been developed or maybe retconned into um, split personalities. And Moon Knight is rapidly becoming a comic which addresses mental illness. And it even draws into question sort of the reality of Khonshu, whether it's truly an Egyptian god that's given him abilities, or maybe it's just another voice in his head, or maybe Moon Knight is a separate personality from all the other ones. Right. Yeah, and uh, I can totally see some of that come into play a little bit here because, like, he fully embraces his uh, each personality when he has it to the right. point where it's like he he come he walks in the door and Marlene has to clarify who she's talking to. Right, all the um, time. Yeah, all the time in order to properly address them. Like, if it's Stephen Grant, he's like, "Oh no, no, I'm not Stephen Grant. I'm Jake Lockley. See, I'm wearing his hat or whatever." <laughs> yeah. And um, and so there are seeds of that here, but. I think Ralph is right also that um, he does need to be fully aware of all of his personalities in order for them to be useful, to, to be useful, right. to be effective. Um, he's very intentional about which personality he he puts on right. for different situations. Yeah, and and you can tell that um, he's doing it very intentionally. Okay, well, you know, I need some more information, so I'm going to be Jake tonight. Yeah. and oh, I need to um, uh, lay a trap for some you know, uh, smuggler, so he's probably going to be at a fancy party, so I need to be the rich Stephen Grant and throw a party. Right. Um, other things you need to know. His best friend, Frenchie, is also a former mercenary and his, his pilot. Um, Moon Knight first appeared in Werewolf by Night, which is a horror comic, and he wasn't intended to be a regular character, but the editors liked him, so they turned him into a hero. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we'll get more into that evolution as we go through yeah. these books. There's an interesting coincidence here that appears in The Werewolf by Night. The editor for Werewolf by Night is Marv Wolfman, and werewolf's, the werewolf's name is Jack Russell, like the terrier, but Conway, the, the creator, insists that this was not a conscious decision. <laughs> um, and then in uh, Moon Knight's Marvel 2-in-1 appearances, uh, they were written by a guy named Stephen Grant. Yes. <laughs> which is the name of, you know, his, his rich of, person persona. Right. <laughs> we also have um, a woman named Topaz in the Werewolf by Night series, and she is a mystic with telepathic and telekinetic abilities, which seem to be reduced at this period. Um, she meant, makes reference to being more powerful and not, not having it uh, as much power right now. Um, the last thing that you kind of need to know is um, because of the comic code in the 70s, Marvel couldn't use the word zombie. And so instead, they have the word Zuvembi. Mm -hmm. And so um, you see that referenced as well. I go into a little bit more detail on that in the Avengers episode uh, that we did, Avengers The Final Threat. Um, and it stems, that, that term Zuvembi stems back to, I think, the, the 20s. But yeah, they use that because it didn't directly reference zombies because you couldn't couldn't put the living dead in comics <laughs> right. at this point. Right. Um, this was just when the comic code was starting to to slack off a little bit. They were starting to to let um, to loosen their reign. 
Um, so that's why we got this influx of horror comics all of a sudden um, right. in the 70s because they weren't allowed to have vampires. You weren't allowed to have... In fact, when Marv Wolfman was first joined, they, he, the comic code tried to not let his name be printed oh, because really? it was Wolfman, because <laughs> it was against the comic code. But no, That's that was so his weird. name. Okay, just before we dive uh, into the issues, a couple of things before we dive into the issues. I want to know your thoughts on the epic collection, this whole, the, the whole package, the book in general. It's a very interesting one because it's a range of comic titles, yeah. which means it covers a range of different styles and feels as well. Mm -hmm. The art styles are very different between each of the different series. Um, we also have the very um, heroic and the very horror um, comics and everything in between, something uh, somewhere uh, mixed. It also, it really feels like a new start to a character, kind of like when you have a new TV show and the first five episodes or so, you do the same thing over and over. You mention the same things over and over just to catch all the new readers or the new watchers. Um, and I feel the same way with Moon Knight, um, especially in Moon Knight 1 through 4. However, because um, of all of these other comic appearances, it's kind of like we get this new start seven times. And so yeah. as you're reading it, it's kind of annoying to hear oh, I've got a microphone in my cowl and, <laughs> and oh, I've got these other personalities that I'm going to go through. And, you know, well, just... and I think that's also just a, uh, um, a sign of the Jim Shooter era. Yeah. Because he always would say things like, every comic is somebody's so first, first comic. Right. And so you have to put those things in every issue, which is fine when you're reading it maybe on a monthly basis. Right. Um, or picking up random issues here and there, but in a collection, yeah, yeah, that does get pretty redundant. Redundant. I guess at this time, comics weren't necessarily a collector's thing. People collected them, well, but you never saw them now. in collections. Right. There were no trade paperbacks right. like this yeah. back then. We have a few comments I asked on Facebook, on our Facebook page, for people to tell us what they thought of, of this volume of Moon Knight as well. So he, here are some comments. Uh, Hartley says, loved it. Sure, there were some weak moments, but the volume itself is magnificent, as is volume two. And I would argue that volume two is even more magnificent than volume one because you just have a greater consistency and evolution of, especially of Bill Sienkiewicz's art. Uh, and then Frank says, everything before the Hulk magazine stuff is frankly a, a bit dated for me, but the rest is incredible. And the hatchet killer is the scariest thing I had seen as a kid. And Sienkiewicz art was great. Uh, I was 8 to 10 at the time and, and had never seen Neil Adams, so I loved it immediately. And then Kemi Jacob says, I felt it started off pretty slow. I did not care for the first appearance at all, but by halfway through it, I, it really started to click. Once Sienkiewicz is doing the art, the book goes from a good-slash-great read to amazing. I would agree with those last two comments. Yeah. Yeah, I think everyone nails it on the head. Um, the first half is a hodgepodge. Some of it is pretty hard to get through. Yeah. But, I mean, part of it, I think, might be because it's a new character that they weren't planning to do much with. So he's not really fleshed out in their minds at all. Yeah. They don't know where... They don't have a plan of no, where he's going. They sure don't. And it's yeah. obvious. Yeah. Uh, and we have a Twitter poll. I asked on Twitter, who is your favorite Mood Knight persona? And your options were Mark Spector, Stephen Grant, and Jake Lockley. And uh, what is your pick? Ooh, 
I would have to say probably Mark Spector. Um, Stephen Grant is just a little too stuffy. Um, and I don't know. I, I don't know. Jake, Jake the cabbie never really struck it with me. I think the the idea of the mercenary, uh, or the at least the former mercenary, um, he's got these skills that he can use, um, but he actually shows compassion. That sort of, um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I like that a little more. Yeah, um, I like Jake Lockley's character. Yeah, I like his relationship with Crawley and Jenna. Um, they're, they're they're a cool little team. Um, but you're right, Stephen Grant is kind of boring he serves no real purpose other than to throw some money around and fund the operations which is really weird because he actually spends most of his non-moon night time as, as Stephen grant exactly it's true yeah and and mark specter's almost nowhere in this book yeah it's true so i'd like to see if that continues more in the the next moon night volume or if he actually spends more time as uh as mark so the the votes were zero percent for Stephen grant yeah <laughs> 17% for Jake Lockley and 83% for Mark Spector. I don't mm. think that that's much of a surprise no. there. Yeah. Um, when we get into, the, again, the uh, the more modern Moon Knight comics, he's spending, again, uh, most of his time as um, as Mark Spector. Okay. And you don't really see the other two very much at all. Well, the 90s series itself is called Mark Spector right. Moon Knight. Yes. Yeah. Okay, let's let's jump right into Werewolf by Night number thirty-two. This issue is called "The Stalker Called Moon Knight." And before we get into talking about it, I'm going to play a clip of Doug Mensch talking about creating Moon Knight. Hmm. Well, I don't remember exactly how it came about, but I felt like um, it was time to assert myself more on the stuff I was doing instead of just bringing back old villains and care you know tying up the loose ends of previous writers and you know pretty much doing what had already been done in these books but in a new way uh i felt it's time i gotta start creating my own supporting characters and villains for these characters to fight and so on and so forth so i did a compromise thing there was a, a group called the committee that i believe either Jerry Conway or Len Wein had come up with. I don't remember who created the committee, but they weren't very exciting. It was just a, a group of guys in suits who are bad guys and do bad things, right? Uh, so I decided that the committee would, uh, for whatever reason, I can't remember the reason, they wanted to get rid of the werewolf. They wanted to kill the werewolf. So they would hire a mercenary, a hitman to to kill the werewolf, and I came up with uh, this character, whose every accoutrement, his whole costume and all of his weapons and gimmicks and so on, were designed to counter the werewolf. And I I came up with I don't know fifteen names for this guy. I remember Len Wein, who was the editor of Werewolf by Night, or the editor of Marvel, I guess. He called up, and he was doing the coming comic stuff. And he says, okay, and uh, and in the next issue of Werewolf by Night, what's going to be in that? And I said, well, I came up with this new villain. 
the guy who's hired to stop the werewolf. And I have 15 names for him, and I haven't picked one yet. And he said, okay, read them. So I started reading the names, and I got to Moon Knight. It was probably the third one or fourth one or whatever. And Len said, Moon Knight. Oh, I like that. I like that. And I said, well, okay, that's probably the one I would have picked too, but there are a few other good ones on here. And he says, no, 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 Moon Knight. I like that one. <laughs> I said, okay, Moon Knight it is. Now, the moon, of course, the werewolf changes to the werewolf because of the moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the night part of it is like he's he's a hired lance, you know, uh, a mercenary again. Yeah. And uh, the black and white costume was uh, the night is black and the moon is white. Actually, I said it was jet and silver, the right. silver moon. And uh, he had uh, these gloves that with cestus spikes like the old you know, Roman gladiators, these spikes on his knuckles, and they were silver because silver is the only thing that hurts a werewolf. Mm-hmm. And then he had he had the crescent shaped throwing darts, uh, you know, sort of a Japanese type things, but in the shape of the crescent moon. And they were made out of silver, and they would hurt the werewolf. And the truncheon was made out of silver, and you know, all of this stuff was designed to go up against a werewolf. Right. And originally, he he was a bad guy villain, but. Because he was the guy trying to stop a werewolf, he's kind of a good guy, right? right. I mean, you know, yeah, the I mean, stopping a, a werewolf is not, yeah, it's not a bad thing to do. No. So when the hero, the hero of your book is a werewolf, then pretty much all of his antagonists are, are kind of good guys, you know, or or at least uh, equally as bad, you know, other monsters trying to get him, whatever. And I was getting sick of him fighting other monsters or just nobody and i and i wanted an actual villain and that's how i came up with moon knight okay so in this issue he in that little clip that we just played doug pretty much spells it out the committee hires a mercenary to take out the werewolf and this mercenary is moon knight um there's not much to moon knight at this point he only has the one personality. We don't have any of those other personalities. You know, Mark Spector is strapped for cash, so he answers a big money tip that turns out to be donning the costume and taking down a werewolf. Um, We have some classic storytelling, uh, flashback storytelling in this issue, and like you mentioned, the the Zuvembi reference as well. But that part's not that important because it doesn't have... It's a werewolf-by-night B story that doesn't involve... Moon Knight, mm-hmm. really. I have to say that this issue was actually fairly hard to read, mostly because it's almost fully narrated from the first person. From the werewolf. From the werewolf's perspective, yeah. from the first person view, um, which is typical for horror comics, mm-hmm. but it's not, um, you know, compared to the conversation-driven um, sort of heroic comics. Right. Yeah, it definitely has a very distinct voice. Um, and it was a little confusing at times because I think the narrative also switches from character to character at some points as well, if I recall correctly. There were a couple of maybe dated references that I wanted to bring up here. Okay. Um, I wanted to actually ask you about Crusader Rabbit. 
Okay. Um, I I know that it's sort of a really early animated TV series from yeah. the 1950s. Yes. But I don't know much else about it. Uh, but it's mentioned here. Uh, Crusader Rabbit is by Jay Ward Studios, who did like Rocky and Bullwinkle. It was okay. Crusader Rabbit was their first cartoon on on TV, and it's yeah, it's one of the very first TV cartoons that was ever created in so, the 50s. So they make mention to any sort of hooded goody um as crusader rabbit because that's a crusader rabbit had a a lance so he's kind of a knight right and he was white a white rabbit Mm, okay so that's probably probably what it is okay (laughs) just because he's he's all white yeah okay um moon knight calls some of the the guys that he's fighting um gabardines um i thought that was kind of weird so i looked that up okay and it would be a long upper garment worn by Jewish men. And Mark Spector is a Jewish person. So um, that would make sense that he's using that reference. But also it's a cotton material that would have been used in suits in the 50s. So the, he's making reference to what these people's suits are made out of. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then um, I think it was in issue 33, he calls... Um, some of the uh, the people that he's fighting, gay blades, um, which would be sort of romantic and dashing and slightly disreputable people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of 33, let's move yeah. on to that one. It's sure, called yeah. Wolf Beast versus Moon Knight. And in mm-hmm. this one, uh, Moon Knight captures Jack Russell in his human form and takes him to the committee. Um, this is the one where I really found the narrative a little bit off-putting even more than the first one but yeah. i think if i were to be introduced to the series from the very beginning um i'd have a different opinion about about it it's just because they're coming in right right in the middle yeah it's just it's different it's yeah. not it, like i said it's not what we're used to um and so the first one uh the first issue i thought was interesting to to read it from that perspective or have it narrated from that perspective and but i agree that the second one um was was a little hard to swallow um marvel just recently released big fat collections like this of of werewolf by night um so i might pick them up to to give it a shot because the concept interests me um and this is really all i've read of moon knight uh, werewolf werewolf by night so it should be good in this one it's a classic kind of classic kind of plot we find out that the reason why the committee wants the werewolf is because they're going to tame and control the werewolf so that the werewolf will commit crimes for them it's like your good luck with that guy your typical (laughs) old school villain totally uh over achieving villains before the taking over the world kind of stuff yeah it was uh it's a little hokey but i mean that's the that's part of the era that we're in here as well yeah and then um you know, Moon Knight uh, feels compassion after he sees uh, the wolf, uh, the werewolf uh, caged and his uh, sister and girlfriend being uh, caught up and decides to switch sides. Also fairly typical. Yeah, it's really interesting to see this this original and, and hear, hear Doug talk about the original Moon Knight, how uh, how he's like clad in silver. And mm-hmm. everything about him is designed to take out a werewolf specifically. Right. And like that, all of that, the costume kind of remains the same. He uses the same little crescent moons and everything. But all of the werewolfness about it is, 
it's not important. Right. It's, it's not, not important silver anymore. Yeah, it's just like white cloth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, he had spikes on his gloves. Um, silver. Silver spikes. Yeah. But uh, and he got rid of those. Right. And I think they did that because they're turning him into a hero, and that's not really hero attire to be punching someone with spiked <laughs> gloves. <Right. laughs> I mean, this is before you have Wolverine, but still. <laughs> yeah, before Punisher, it's like he kind of led led the pack in this sort of anti-hero vigilante uh, wave that comes soon after this because Punisher is early 80s and Wolverine mm-hmm. comes into that and Moon Knight's kind of on the forefront of all of that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to to know if if this had anything to do with, with some of those characters being allowed or created um, and since he came from sort of this horror um, origin if that plays into it at all. Yeah, I don't know. Well, next up is Marvel Spotlight number 28, The Crushing Conquer Lord. <laughs> I have to say that Conquer Lord is one of the dumbest names uh, for a villain ever. <laughs> but there is a very funny uh, typo on page 49 in this, uh, vo- in this volume. Um, the first time he tells one of his lackeys to call him by his name, he actually says, um, call me not boss, but conqueror lord is that clear and he goes yes mr uh i mean conquer lord <laughs> <laughs> conqueror lord yeah and that's the only time conqueror lord is ever um used or mentioned and the rest of the time it's conquer lord nice but he seems to be like king of the rats so in this issue uh moon knight takes down a gang of thugs not knowing that they were undercover cops and one of them is dirty he's working for conquer lord um, and Conqueror Lord wants to discredit and kill the mayor of whatever city. Do we find <laughs> out? Do we know what city they're in uh, here? I don't think so. The mayor of the city. So here is where we find out. Uh, this is uh, Moon Knight's first starring book. So I have a clip of Doug Mensch talking about re- reviving Moon Knight for Marvel Spotlight. So I'm going to play that here. I remember being up in the office, and I had never given further thought to Moon Knight other than, oh, in a year or so, I'll bring him back as a, as a villain to fight the werewolf again. You know, in my mind, he was a werewolf villain, but I remember being up in the office and Marv saying, you know, I really like that Moon Knight. You should do a one shot in Marvel premiere or Marvel, whatever it was, uh, and make him, a little more of a good guy, you know, and then he could be a hero. And I thought, oh, man, how am I going to do that? And that's when I went home that night, that's when I came up with this idea of he wants to atone and change and become a good guy. And he invents these these two other identities. You know, he already had Mark Spector and Moon Knight. Now he's got Jake Lockley and Stephen Grant as well. And the whole thing just came together uh sort of automatically um this issue we get to see is this issue the first appearance of jenna yeah in the diner although is she even named at this point i'm not i'm not too sure yeah oh yeah jenna okay yeah so crawley and jenna make their first appearances here in this issue um i don't know if doug has plans to to carry them forward but they show up again in the hulk magazine later on um 
Also, we meet his other personalities, Stephen Grant and Jake Lockley, but we don't meet Mark Spector. We haven't really actually met Mark Spector yet at all. No, he's he's mentioned, mentioned. in the yep. in the Werewolf by Night series as this is the guy we hired. Yeah, but we, but we never see him. Moon Knight out of costume right. in there, and we don't see Moon, Moon Knight out of costume here either until he takes off his costume and is Stephen Grant. Right. So we have yet to meet the the Soldier of Fortune. Um, we also find out that Moon Knight has powers in this. Mm-hmm. He references that he got bit by the werewolf. Right. And I don't know, some sort of werewolf venom got in him or something <laughs> like that. Radioactive werewolf or powers. I don't know. But he now has enhanced strength. That is proportional uh, to the phase of the moon. Exactly. Um I went back and looked through those two issues of Werewolf by Night and couldn't find a single time where he was bitten by the werewolf. <laughs> so it happened between panels somewhere. It's also the first time we meet Marlene. And Marlene is interesting because she spends half of her time sort of not necessarily being a damsel in distress, but um, maybe stumbling on something that uh, that trips up Moon Knight or sort of getting in the way a little bit. Um, and the other half of the time, she ends up saving Moon Knight's butt. <laughs> and then the other other half, she's just lounging in the pool. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Stephen Grant in his bedroom has this um, this pool that connects to a pond outside. Which where, is how he sneaks in and which out of his mansion. Which, which I think is the weirdest thing, because then you just have a wet costume, and also your bathtub is being infected by whatever's coing in the pond from the outside <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway he seems to like it and, and Marlene just sits around waiting for him all day yeah um, the other half of this story Marvel spotlight number 29 is called the deadly gambit of conquer Lord or conqueror Lord or, <laughs> no um, and in this one yeah like you said Marlene gets in trouble um, and gets kidnapped by conqueror Lord <laughs> conqueror Lord yeah <laughs> it's just said. <laughs> And the gets, other one makes more sense. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and gets put in this death trap that involves a pit of alligators. Classic villain stuff. I love it. Um, and a chessboard. And a giant an chess exploding, game. An exploding chessboard. Yep. It's so <laughs> it's so great. It, it's a giant death house. And I love yep. the death house scenario. We came up. We came across that in one of the Iron Man episodes that we we uh, talked about. I love it. Moon Knight in these issues, Doug writes him fairly um, fairly generically. He makes his quips like he could probably be Spider-Man, the way he talks right. and that kind of thing, the way he he does, just the way he talks during battle and all that kind of stuff. Again, because he they don't have any plans for him yeah. to develop his character at all. But Stephen Grant and Jake Lockley have a distinct voice in these issues. Right. So it's not that... He doesn't know how to write distinct voices. It's just that he's choosing to make Moon Knight a pretty standard hero. Maybe that's because of that transition, trying to get him to be more hero-like. So, you know, classic hero is like mm-hmm. Spider-Man. And it's really interesting going through this volume to see how he sort of falls back and forth, how Moon Knight falls back and forth between the hero and the anti-hero, um, be showing his influences from the horror and from the heroic comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, Conquer Lord is not only has a terrible name, but he's kind of a lame villain as well. He's he's <laughs> not really a threat. He's terrible at hand to hand combat. Um, he's too hot headed to think through anything, so he he pretty much undoes himself. And basically, he's just trying to 
blow up his enemy all the time. It's yeah. Like, it's not <laughs> like I'm going to try to shoot you or anything. It's I'm going to shoot an exploding arrow near you so I don't even have to really hit you, just get near you. Yep. Or here's an exploding chessboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all in all, um, interesting an interesting thing to see Moon Knight um, evolve a little bit here. But, uh, yeah, it's still Don Perlin drawing these ones as well, right? Um, and he Don Perlin's pretty good. He's a pretty solid 1970s artist. Like, he's, he does the, a, a good job. And so, uh, yeah, I don't have any problem with these two issues. Uh, next up is Defenders number 47. And this one is one of your classic um, hero misunderstanding battles. <laughs> <laughs> So in uh, Defenders 47 through 52, we have uh, the, the Defenders who at this time don't actually have an official hideout. They say they don't have an official hideout, but really they do have one on um, Nighthawk's uh, ranch. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we see the Defenders, um, Nighthawk, Valkyrie, Hellcat and the Hulk as they're sort of uh, going their separate ways after a big battle and Moon Knight stumbles upon a uh, shield plot to kidnap somebody and so he takes on Nick Fury you know not even like thinking about what the the situation is he sees a guy getting kidnapped jumps in and starts attacking Nick Fury um it turns out that Nick Fury's like trying to actually save the guy because he's in the guy's actually going to be kidnapped by Scorpio. Right. Scorpio returns a longtime villain of Nick Fury. Right. Um, because he's going to the, the guy that is loaded and he's going to take all his money to fund his new Zodiac project to create a whole new line of supervillains all modeled after the Zodiac. Um, and Moon Knight gets involved for some reason. Um, apparently, uh, the guy that he saves has some sort of connection to uh, Moon Knight, and, or sorry, to Doctor Strange and the Defenders. So he says, hey, Moon, uh, Moon Knight, can you take me to Doctor Strange? And that's what leads him there. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, Hellcat goes to visit some of her friends at the Avengers. And uh, the Avengers at the time have um, left and Wonder Man is left minding the mansion, and he's new and doesn't know Hellcat. And, so and he was a villain. And he was a villain prior to this, right. Yeah. So uh, they instantly get into one of the heroic misunderstanding battles. Yeah. Um, I, I found these issues quite a drag to get through, um, and I think it's because I wasn't reading it in the Defenders context. I was reading this in a Moon Knight context, and Moon Knight had a, a very small role in this book. In right. fact, I'm kind of surprised that they included this story in in this collection at all. Yeah. Because um, it doesn't further to introduce us to any new concept about Moon Knight or anything like that. It's just there maybe to pad out the page count. Right, which is interesting. They spend five issues telling the story. And the stuff about Scorpio, is, it's really neat. But yeah. it could have been told in two or three comics. Mm-hmm. I think that I would appreciate this more, and I will when I go to read this story in the appropriate Defenders volume. Right. When we get to uh, whatever I get. That, I, that volume's not released yet um, as of this recording. But, yeah, but um, they, yeah they, they, they try to cram in the Defenders and the Avengers and Moon yep. Knight, and it just gets 
bogged down. And, and shield. Yeah, right. <laughs> very crowded. Yeah. However, the, the beer can trick oh, is really yes. cool. Yeah. Um, not only the beer can trick was cool, but also the panel at the very end in issue 52 where um, the actual panel is the beer can. Right. That was really neat. Yeah. Um, this is an interesting one. If I can digress from Moon Knight a little bit here. Just a little bit. <laughs> because we I don't want to spend a whole lot of time yeah. ta- not talking about Moon Knight. Uh, we have the origin of Scorpio 2 here, um, which is Nick Fury's brother. Yeah. And this actually comes back into play when uh, in Secret Invasion, when Fury doesn't know who to trust in S.H.I.E.L.D., so he goes underground and starts up his own team of uh, super-powered potential S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, um, which are known as groups of caterpillars. And his personal group is the Secret Warriors, including people like Quake and Yo-Yo, whom you might know from the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show. Mm -hmm. This is where those characters were created, in the Secret Warriors. And uh, here we see Jake Fury getting supposedly killed and not seen from again. But it turns out they, in Secret Warriors, they retcon it so that this Jake in this comic is actually a life model decoy himself. Don't they mention that in this, though, that he's... No, a... they, they, they mentioned that the Nick Fury is a life model decoy. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But right, it turns out that, that the, um, the Jake is also a life model decoy. And when the life model decoy dies, the real Jake stays hidden underground and helps Nick Fury take down Hydra by defeating, defeating um, one of their leaders, Leviathan, and taking his place. And by being Leviathan... Jake helps Nick Fury to take down um, the uh, the Skrulls in the Secret Invasion and subsequently take over, um, save S.H.I.E.L.D. once it's been taken over by Hydra. Wow. I thought it was interesting that they had a Jack of Hearts billboard on page 127. Oh, yeah. Um, Jack of Hearts not being a super big character at the time, I don't think. Uh, he had a limited series that might have been around this time, but I'm not, I can't. I can't remember when that was. Also, <laughs> really kind of odd, at the very end of this uh, this book, um, there's an Avengers reference. But right. it's not to the Avengers, the Marvel hero team. Oh, from the TV <laughs> they show. They call, um, uh, Moon Knight says, oh, you know, we're a regular Steed and Peel, which is a reference to the uh, the Avengers, the spies, the TV show. Right. Okay, moving along yep. here, we have uh, the next appearance of Moon Knight is... Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man, number 22 and 23. Uh, and this one is another heroes meet and have a misunderstanding situation, which is, I find, most like Marvel team-up issues kind of start that way. It's just kind of weird to see a whole collection of them. <laughs> yeah, right. One right after the other. And I think that's because um, they're still wrestling. At this point, they're still kind of wrestling with his Moon Knight a hero or a villain uh, we don't really know. They're trying to trying to make that transition. So, yeah, Moonlight stumbles upon uh, some info about um, a mob family, the the Magia, the Magia. Yeah, which is basically Marvel's version of the Mafia, but instead of F's, it's G's. Right, right. <laughs> um, and and the Magia are well known for hiring um, supervillains to do a lot of their work. Obviously, they have their whole mafia-like structure where they have like uh, hitmen and guys with guns and that kind of stuff but then they also hire um, a bunch of um, supervillains right 
Yeah, and they reference um, the leader of the Magia is uh, the Big M. Mm -hmm. They talk about him, and I think at this point it's a mystery who the Big M is. Yes. But later on down the road, there are a couple of different people who have been the Big M at certain times, including um, Count Nefaria. Right. We see a Blink and You Miss It reference to um, Jenna Landers and Bertrand Crawley in the diner. They're like, they're there, but I, and uh, I don't even know if um, Crawley has any, any lines. I missed it. Yeah, it's in um, issue 22, Spider-Man 22, on page 168 in this collection. Um, one thing that always confused me is, uh, is, is this Moon Knight's getaway vehicle is a helicopter. Yes. Helicopters are pretty noisy. And, like, this one, like, appears out of nowhere and <laughs> sweeps them up. And, and yeah. he grabs the... They, you'll notice that they address that when they, you get to the Moon Knight regular series. Yes. It's like, oh, here's a new helicopter. <laughs> it's so quiet. Yeah. But I was like, that's... It's so... It's it, it's a... It's a it's a unique device for Moon Knight for sure, mm-hmm. um, but ridiculous at the same time. It's another one of those things that made people think he was a Batman ripoff because Batman's got his bat wing. It's a bat-themed plane, and here we have Moon Knight with a moon-themed helicopter. Right. And he throws <laughs> little crescent moons. <laughs> yep, yep. Lots of similarities for sure. Yeah. In this issue, we also see White Tiger, um, who is uh, Hector Ayala. And um, if you are a reader of modern comics, the present white tiger is Ava Ayala, who was his sister, but also his niece, Angela Del Toro. Um, both of them are depowered right now um, and have retired for now. Okay. I like the way that this one, this story starts because Moon Knight is already on the case. He's already found out information, is already tracking the people he wants to track. Um, it just shows that he's he's uh, working hard. But it also shows the difference um, between his tactics and uh, some of the other heroes, sort of further pushing him toward the anti-hero route where he's willing to do whatever it takes to get the information, whereas Spider-Man wants to sort of arrest him so that maybe they can cut a deal or something. Yeah, Spider-Man just swings around listening for burglar alarms, and that's how he gets his information of where robberies are. <laughs> Moon Knight actually right. um, you know, goes undercover and tries to hunt, seek out that information. Right, and then beat it out of people if necessary. <laughs> right. We also have Cyclone in this, who I didn't know existed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, neither did I. But he's one of the few French... Uh, villains like when you think of French villains I think of Batroc the Leaper <laughs> yeah that's right but uh, here's another one but I mean he dies in this issue or in uh, in this uh, in these issues so I guess that's why I've never heard of him I bet he's come back I bet you see him in like a small panel in the background of like Civil War when every villain oh, and every yeah, right. hero is fighting <laughs> at the same time <laughs> Let's move on to Marvel 2-in-1, number 52. So I do have to say that I do enjoy reading a collection that has so many different heroes in it. Spider-Man and the Defenders, like the Hulk is there and, and the Thing is here now. And um, Hulk makes another appearance later on in this book. Um, but there's just a, a, there's a good cross-section of the Marvel Universe in this, in this one book here. In this story, the thing is an, is attacked at an award ceremony, and Mark Spector happens to be at the award ceremony as well. 
so of course he <laughs> gets to uh, put on the Moon Knight costume and, help, and lend a hand and Thing and Moon Knight become good buddies is he actually Mark Spector at this point at, at the event oh or is he Stephen Grant yeah I don't know I don't think it's actually mentioned who he is at this point. He just is there. Oh, no. Uh, Frenchie calls him Mark. Well, Frenchie always calls well, him true. Mark. And yes. that's that's an interesting observation, actually, that I was going to bring up later, but we can talk about it now. Um, th- even though um, Frenchie always refers to him as Mark, Marlene always refers to him as Steve, Steven. and... Yeah. Crawley and Jenna always refer to him as Jake. As Jake. Right. Um, even though, even if they're wearing their other personalities or whatever, yeah. they always, like, they the they are, each, each of his personalities has their, its own supporting cast, basically. And it makes sense for Jenna and Crawley because they met him as Jake. Yeah. But Marlene, as we find out in the Moon Knight series, the Moon Knight Monthly, she met him as Mark. Yes, and was traumatized by Mark. True. And she loves rich, handsome, suave, <laughs> debonair um, Stephen Grant. Right. So we have Crossfire oh, yeah. as, as a villain here. And he's a strange one because with the name and motif of Crossfire, you think he's just some sort of sniper, but he actually has some like mind control powers. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, ex-CIA. Right. And they've... I don't know if he was if this is his first appearance, um, but he's kind of been written into Moon Knight's history. Like they know each other from the past. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of the issues that's written by Steve Grant. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, that takes us halfway through the book. That takes <clears throat> us through the 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 not so great the s- half of the, the slower book. half. The slower yeah. half and. Um, it really starts to pick up now. Um, and before we go on, I want to play a clip of Ralph talking about bringing Moon Knight as a backup for the Hulk magazine. Yes, what had happened was Rick Marshall, who came in, was a very, very talented guy, but Rick was not that familiar with the Marvel characters. So he had asked me if I could think of a backup for Rampaging Hulk. And I loved Moon Knight, and I said, let's do Moon Knight. And I picked Gene Colan as the penciler because I really wanted to, I think more so than Doug, certainly. And, and Doug, you know, has the prime voice on this because obviously he's the creator. But I always kind of saw um, Moon Knight as a potential Marvel Batman. I think certainly when Doug first created him in Werewolf by Night, he was not um, a Moon Knight. Uh, he was not a Batman type character. But I thought it would be interesting if he did his own story strip if he had his own strip that we could kind of move him into that direction and i thought gene colin was a guy who could give real you know good looking atmospherics to it so i put gene on and he and doug did some very very nice stories and then one day a guy called bill sinkevich walked into the office and he had these beautiful samples with him and i guess he'd been up to dc didn't get any work up there and i said you know what this is the guy who could give me the the batman look that i wanted on um even more than gene on um on moon Knight. so i put him on and uh, then he and Doug just got along famously, and we watched the growth of Bill Sienkiewicz, um to becoming you know, the incredible artist you know that he became. But it, but the his formative years um, where he became the artist that we all know today was on Moon Knight. 
So with uh, Hulk um, starting in issue 11, we have a story of Moon Knight who, once again, he's uh, hot on the trail of uh, some sort of uh, murder spree. And by foiling one of these, uh, these murders, he comes across a key, which sets him off on a trail of some hot Egyptian uh, artifacts. This is a great murder mystery. I, I think that um, right away, um, Doug just hit it out of the park with this issue. Um, there is just good detective work. It's, uh, it's an interesting, compelling story. There's purpose to everything. Yeah. Um, Moon Knight has a purpose. The identities have a purpose. And even Marlene has a purpose here. Yeah. Um, instead of in the earlier ones where she just, A, gets in the way, and then B, saves Moon Knight, she's actually being involved in the, um, in the deception and in solving the mystery. Yeah. And Gil Kane, we just heard from Ralph that Gil Kane is, uh, was picked as the artist, and I really like his Moon Knight. I think he did a great job, and he was only in one issue, um, and then it changed to somebody else. Ralph mentions that he they did a few issues, but I think he, he only did the one story. This used to be a black and white magazine called The Rampaging Hulk, and then they uh, changed it, I think starting with this issue or maybe the one right before it. They just changed it to The Hulk and it was full color. They used it was their very first full processed color magazine, and they called it Marvel Color because it looked really cool. And um, the first few issues has a kind of a more traditional look to it. But the further on we get, like they started um, taking away the black ink lines and giving it a w- way more nice painted look to it, and uh, um, and it looked really cool. And it was it really does. Yeah, it it was it set it apart from the regular four-color process that, that they were doing with all of their regular monthly books. Now, not that it really matters in a uh, color magazine or not, but um, starting with this issue, I think, is where they really start uh, mentioning that Moon Knight is a figure in, quote, jet and silver. And, yeah. and I don't yeah. really get it because he's dressed in all white. Where's the black? Well, in those early, if you look at the costume in the early issues, Don Perlin designed it like a lot of the black isn't actually shadow it's actually black and you look at the the like the inside legs of his costume are actually solid black yeah looking back like at the conquer lord issues and that's that's actually very clear now but um by the time we get to uh yeah that's that's lost a lot even the spider-man even the, the spider-man issues i think um we've already lost that yeah Definitely by the the Marvel yep. two and one and and now in the uh, the Hulk, but I think Doug does say that in pretty much every issue that he wrote, he says Jet and Silver, even the old ones. Okay, I might and not have noticed. I it think as much. maybe even David Anthony Kraft in the Defenders one says Jet and Silver at least once in there as well. But um, yeah, they they lose the the black the Jet um, pretty quickly here. But the silver's still there, even though it's not silver, it's just white, because we have no ties to werewolves anymore by this point. <laughs> yeah. They don't even, I don't even think that they mention his, his werewolf strength or anything like that. Um, oh, no, they do, actually, because he has a, he does have, um, he goes on a little quest to figure out what, how, how the, the new moon affects his powers right. in one of these issues yes. later on. Yeah, and then uh, he mentions that, uh, oh, you know, even at the, my peak strength or my weakest, I would be in peak physical condition. So that implies that he'd have um, 
enhanced strength at other times. Right. So let's just play another little clip here before we uh, move on any further. Um, here's Doug Mensch's uh, re recollection of bringing Moon Knight into the Hulk magazine. Yeah, they asked me to do the Hulk magazine, which started out as a, another black and white thing and became, you know, I guess Marvel's first full process color book. Um, and I initially said no to the Hulk. Again, it's part of that J. Jonah Jameson in the, in the Man Wolf thing. I didn't want to have to worry about what was being done in the regular color Hulk book and, you know, is this going to conflict with that continent? I've got to get permission for everything I want to do. You don't understand. Sometimes it's 3.30 in the morning and I have to do a whole issue of something. I can't check with the writer of, of the <laughs> yeah. other Hulk book, you know? Right. So I want to do all these things that are controlled by me alone and don't require approval or anything. And they and that's when they said, no, 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 this is going to take place between the original first six issues of the Hulk and when the Hulk came back in, I don't know, Tales to Astonish or whatever the Hulk was in. And it's like the untold stories of the Hulk from that. Period. I said, are you kidding me? The, you want me to write stories about the Hulk from the time when I loved the Hulk? And, and they said, yeah. And I said, okay. And I don't have to get permission. No, no. As long as it, you know, if you write something that is completely contradicted by the later, in other words, current Hulk stuff that you're not reading anymore, we'll let you know. But, you know, there's, there isn't much chance of that as long as you keep it self-contained. And I said, okay. You know, so I was doing that and uh, artists couldn't, you know, draw that many pages to fill the whole thing with the Hulk. And so they needed a, a backup. And I, it was Ralph Macchio. I said, why don't you uh, do Moon Knight as a backup? And I said, wow, Moon Knight really has nothing to do with the Hulk. You know, I mean, <laughs> what a what a weird pairing. And they said, well, yeah, but... Ralph was the editor or assistant editor of that Hulk magazine. So, it, you know, and he liked the Hulks. I mean, like Moon Knight. So, you know, Moon Knight got to be in the Hulk. Uh, I think we can move on to Hulk number 12. It's yeah. called Embassy of Fear. And in this one, Moon Knight tracks the missing Horus statue uh, to a Chilean ambassador, Alphonse Leroux. And, uh, the, uh, you gotta love Moon Knight's cape in number in on page two hundred and forty-two in this collection, in Hulk number twelve, um, because it it fans out to be a crescent moon in the bottom panel. Actually, it does that quite a bit, it, even when he's standing still. But this is the first instance of it. Right. Um, if you listen to, I haven't, I'm not going to play this clip, but if you listen to the uh, the interview with Ralph, he talks about how he was working with Doug to kind of. Recreate this character and, and flesh that out a little bit more, and the decision to make the cape, um, like detach it from his his arms so it's free flowing, and that it makes a, a crescent shape more often. It, it it appears it starts appearing here, and uh, Bill Sienkiewicz really um, really flies with that. And they they make a uh, a very specific point of having a conversation. Um, between Moon Knight and uh, Marlene, where 
he asks if his new cape is ready yet because <laughs> being attached to his arms is getting restricting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is another good example of Moon Knight the detective. He's very he's very Batmanish in this issue. Yeah. Like there's no oh, doubt yeah. about it. Um using his power and influence to gather clues like Bruce Wayne would do and And then um, it's just all martial arts and throwing his daggers, his crescent uh yeah, his crescent darts. Yep. He takes out a dog. Yep. You know, all this kind of stuff. Just like Batman would, yep. would take out a dog. <laughs> um, there's some bad color reproduction in this issue. If you go to page 244, there are just instances. Let me, I have to remember where it is now. Where it looks like it's just a little off register. Like you can, if you look at the, the, the maroon colored shoe in the top corner, you can see some of the brown coming out of the lines and like the clud, the sound effect that says clud. Um, the red doesn't bleed right to the right to the page, and I thought that's kind of weird for modern printing standards. It just doesn't doesn't work, doesn't uh, look that great. But that's only if you're looking at this book with a microscope. <laughs> Otherwise, you probably wouldn't <laughs> notice it. I certainly didn't notice it. Yeah. Okay, moving right along to Hulk number thirteen, the big black male. This is the third of 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 four parts to this story, the big black male, and and uh, Moon Knight delivers ransom money to get back Horus, the the artifact that's been stolen. He uses the opportunity to track the bad guy's real plan, which involves a lot of plutonium. And I think this is the first issue with Bill Sienkiewicz. So before yes. we go further in talking about this issue, I want to play a clip of Bill Sienkiewicz talking about landing a job, his job at Marvel. You know, it was kind of an interesting big deal for me. I mean, just to be, you know, around Neil, you know, getting some critique or whatever. And he called up Shooter. And, um, you know, the story is it, come, it comes to me because I didn't hear him make the call, but he basically said, there's a, you know, there's a kid here, you know, I want you to see is one problem is that he, you know, he draws like me. And uh, <laughs> everybody was, was, again, very, very complimentary. So I walked over, I basically walked over to, uh, to Marvel, and um, I think they wanted to kind of get rid of me. There was almost like uh, uh, Elliot Brown told me he actually had Jim Owsley, I think, well, you know, Christopher Priest, at the time Jim was a, an intern kind of. Uh, it, it was sort of like get rid of the freelancer, you know. It's like cause I guess they get a lot of people coming in and who aren't up to the task. So I was, so I sort of got that same sort of treatment. It's like, oh, you know, let bust this freelancer's chops, you know, and like, so I think he was, he brought him into, brought me in to see Elliot as, and Elliot was going to kind of be the submissions editor at the time. Okay. And I think Elliot was just going to sort of, you know, rake me over the coals in a, in a very sort of, you know, humorous fashion. And then he, he looked at my stuff and he got up and he basically, from what I hear like now is that he, he went to Ralph Macchio and to Rick Marshall at the time and said, you know, it's like this one blew up in our faces. He's actually good. You know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, so they, uh, Shooter saw my stuff. And um, again, I met Ralph the very first day, you know, which was, which was great. I mean, he and I became super close over the years working together, you know, when he was uh, assistant editor at McDanny. Well, pretty much what happened was, is I ended up, you know, getting, I thought I was going to get a, you know, pinup and I ended up walking out with, with a career. And also I want to play Doug Mensch's version of that story from his perspective. Yeah. I, I think maybe there was one or two in the Hulk 
before Bill, but right. pretty yeah. pretty quick, pretty early. Uh, Ralph Macchio called and says, "Oh my God, wait till you see this guy stuff! I got the artist for Moon Knight, and you're not going to believe it." And yada yada. Now I've heard that many many times from many editors, and I went, "Oh, okay, good." And then the the first pages showed up, and I went, "Oh." This this guy is pretty good. It's kind of Neil Adams, but you you know Neil Adams is hard to beat. Um, and maybe he'll develop, and he did. He really did develop into his own artist. The nuclear bomb is actually like there are actually two plots going on here. One of them is the one where um, they're trying to uh, steal the the golden Egyptian statue. The other one is the group of uh, thugs that were hired are going to use, they want to use the money to help fund this bomb to blow up uh, something and uh, start a revolution of some kind. And so Moon Knight follows the Falcon, uh, whereas Frenchie follows the nuclear device. And we have this uh, government group called the Nuclear emergency search team which spends their time flying around looking for nuclear energy <laughs> i think that's an actual existing group really interesting um let me, let me just let's google it, it okay it's a nuclear emergency support team oh, sorry yes but yeah it's an actual it's an actual branch of the government hmm. the united states government and that's what they do. I guess they, right. you do need to have those people who are trained to search out nuclear threats. Yeah, they they and Frenchie fly around looking for the nuclear bomb, and Moon Knight goes on to um, follow the uh, follow the Falcon and that and that portion of the story. I really like the art in this. Um, that's Bill Sienkiewicz's yeah, and, first issue. And this is a really good example of the new, what did you call it, Marvel Color? Marvel Color. Marvel Color, yes. It looks very different from um, the previous couple issues, which look good, but they look like a comic book. Yeah. And this very much is not. Uh, this In this issue is when we finally get our first real look at um, the Mark Spector persona. Yes, I was going to say that as well. And it's well. kind of James Bondish a little bit. But yeah, I mean, we've heard about him so much, but this is his first actual, like, here's what Mark Spector can do. And the interesting thing about the way that he's introduced is we have this um, uh, this dialogue back and forth between um, the big boss and one of his lackeys who has purchased this information from the uh, from the committee. And um, it's a bunch of slides. And so it's an interesting way to retell um, some of the story without bogging it down in flashbacks and uh, retelling the same thing over and over again. It gets the point of cross in a new way. And so, yeah, we've, uh, they're, they're going through the different personas. We know about them. And then they say, finally, we have this one who might be the real identity, but we don't really know for sure. Mark Spector, who's the mercenary, and then we actually see him coming into the scene undercover to work with the uh, the rebels slash minions. Right. And we find out that the leader of the, the mall and then the very last page is Lupinar. Lupinar the wolf. He, 
which I, I don't know if that's supposed to be an intentional reference to like his werewolf by night past. He certainly doesn't use any of his werewolf type like silver items or whatever to, to, to take him down. But um, yeah, this is, this is our villain. Yeah. Moon Knight doesn't seem to say much about him being a werewolf ish character. However, Lupinar in the next issue does sort of say we have a connection because of this whole moon werewolf thing. Yeah. And so he implies that he knows about his past fighting werewolves, but Moon Knight doesn't let on at all. Right. Uh, I really like, like you mentioned about the artwork, um, the restoration in this book of these pages is really, really great. Um, it's one thing to to restore regular comic pages when you can wipe out all of the color and just be left with the black line and then recolor it with its flat with the flat colors. Right. But when you're going with full process, you can't do that. Yeah, there's you, so much gradient in here. Yeah, and and you can't re- recolor that and reproduce it to the same way. So they had to just scan in the comics and clean it up the best that they could to make really nice digital copies. And it looks fantastic. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with these the, the reproductions in here. I think it, it looks outstanding. There are a couple of places where you can see, okay, well, things didn't necessarily bleed or fill fully, but like on but uh, that's page a, 269, the moon, the moon in Moon Knight. It, uh, yeah, that, yeah, and that's but, a fault of the original coloring, right, no, exactly. not the reproduction. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, moving on to Hulk number 14, Countdown to Dark. Infiltrating a group... With a nuclear bomb, Mark Spector is led to the base of the leader, and the leader is Lupinar, the wolf. Yeah, I felt through this whole thing that he was not, he didn't end up to be uh, a fully realized villain. They kind of started to get there, but then he kind of, he dies, and we don't really find out what his master plan is or like why he's doing all the things he's doing as i was reading this i had to go back and reread it a couple times because it felt like there was a page missing where he explained what he was doing yeah (laughs) um but there's a cool sword fight yeah that's that's good yeah but yeah it seems like maybe because they had these two plot lines going on that they had to maybe wrap it up quickly that that could be yeah it just didn't feel like it went anywhere Cool that Frenchie gets the the spotlight in this one though. Yep, by stopping the bomb. Yep, uh, so that's good. And this is also where we get, I, I believe, the first of um, uh, Mark Spector or Stephen Grant uh, dictating his exploits um, for posterity, uh, which is continued in the Moon Knight ongoing series as well. Okay, well, let's keep on trucking along yep. here. Hulk number 15, uh, an eclipse waning, and its second part, an eclipse waxing. This is your your um, sort of Rashomon-type story where you get the, the same story but from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is from Mark Spector's perspective. He's in the countryside watching a lunar eclipse um, to figure out how the the lunar eclipse will affect his his strength which it comes from werewolves or something like that um but he misses the whole lunar eclipse because he sees some thugs trying to break into his friend's house and goes to stop them somewhere during there he sees a large shadowy figure but then doesn't get to see who the large shadowy figure is and in the second part um an eclipse waxing uh it's the same story the thieves um are scared away 
by Moon Knight, and they run straight into the Hulk, who happens to be there too. And uh, Hulk takes care of them and sees Moon Knight, but uh, they don't really connect at all. They don't they don't get to talk to each other. I think it's really funny here that the Hulk um, yells at the moon for, for, for going away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, the moon's coming back. That's better. I, I sure showed him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting period of Hulk history. Like he's like, um, like Doug said in the interview, he's trying to make it as if it were back after the, the original six issue run of the Incredible Hulk. So he could talk, but he's not smart. Mm-hmm. This threw me off. Um, the eclipse waxing, uh, the first page threw me off because I wasn't expecting a Hulk story because it's the backup. So I wasn't expecting Rick Jones. Sorry, it's, it's not Bruce. even Rick Jones. It's, it's it, Bruce. Sorry. Yeah, that confused me as well. It is Bruce. Yeah. And I had to reread that when I figured that out so I could put that in context. But. <laughs> so there you go. Like it was not clear. Yeah. There. But it Sorry. would have been clear if you read all of the... right. Because he he's wearing the same clothes, I'm sure. Probably, and written the same way or whatever. Probably would have made more sense. Um, did, do we find out how the lunar eclipse affects Moon Knight's powers? Did he come to a conclusion on that? Um, yeah, he makes mention that he can feel the... Um, he can feel his power sort of going as it gets blocked out. Okay, moving on to Hulk number 17. Knight born 10 years gone. Yeah. The Hatchet Man, a, a character called the Hatchet Man is killing nurses. Yeah. And Moon Knight realizes that he knows the killer. It ends up, spoiler alert, ends up being his brother. This is my favorite story in this book. Oh, this was it's really definitely good. definitely the high point. Holy cow. It's, it's really interesting because I think that it's such a contrast to the previous couple stories because this one is a horror story Yeah, with Moon Knight in it. Whereas the other ones, again, are trying to force him down this heroic track. Right. Yeah, it's great. And they got a, a good villain here, the Hatchet Man. This guy is just kind of deranged. And uh... One thing I think this story makes really clear is that being in the Hulk magazine and not in a comic, it's not bound by the comic code. Right. You can tell that almost right away where he says um, he goes to a porn movie theater. There's no way the comic code would allow that. And then in the, yeah. in the image, it's, uh, it says sex and uh, talks about all sorts of um, uh, things like that. Yeah, and like you obviously see blood on the, yep. the hatchet and like they shy away from that kind of stuff. And like right. when Marlene is shot as well, it's yeah. uh, fairly graphic, uh, all things considered. And, um, you know, it's still going to be a Marvel, so they're not yeah. going to go totally crazy, especially at this point. You say you see far worse things in Marvel comics these yeah. days, but uh, and yeah. then and then where Marlene is concerned, um, there's just a lot more suggest suggestive nudity um, than in other uh, than in the comic books. Right. I don't think this issue does much to tell us anything new about Moon Knight himself um, as a as a hero, but it tells us more about. Mark Spector's past, which I think is right. really neat. Yeah, and I think it's about time we're ready. We're ready to hear about that because right. he he's really been a mystery. We don't yeah. know anything about him really, uh, and this sort of lays the groundwork for the origin that they tell in in the monthly series. Um, in Hulk number eighteen, it's 
called Shadows of the Heart of the City. Moon Knight pursues Hatchet Man through Central Park. And yeah, and then this is the issue that has a lot of the flashbacks that tell us about its past. Um, it is just great storytelling. This one, this issue isn't as good as the first one because it's mostly just fighting. So it's, uh, yeah. while it's... Uh, well, it's mostly just chasing, really. Chasing, yeah. It's it's a big chase and big fight and not as much of the story. But uh, the two issues together, Hulk 18 and um, 17 and 18, are definitely the high point of this book, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And who inks this one? Klaus Janssen. He... Uh, is a guy that often is paired with Frank Miller. And mm. I think he really understands Bill's style and um, maybe even influences Bill a little bit because when Bill starts inking his own stuff, it has a very Klaus Janssen type feel to it. Um, it, it it's, 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 a good, it's a good pairing, the two of them together. So that's pretty much it for Moon Knight in the Hulk magazine issue 19 there's a break and then issue 20 there's like a short eight page epilogue kind of story where uh, moon knight busies himself um stopping little petty thieves while he's waiting for dawn um and that's when he's going to see if marlene makes it through the night um because like she's been pretty seriously shot (laughs) in the previous story uh, no, so. she was she was hatcheted. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. She was she was attacked because she was a decoy. She dressed right. herself up as a, nurse as a nurse and walked through Central Park as a decoy to lure out the Hatchet Man and was attacked. Yeah. And so, this story is her in the hospital, um, going into surgery, and it's like if she makes it through the morning, she'll survive. But it it isn't looking so likely. So, uh, it's a it's a nice little short story. I wonder why it wasn't like directly after the previous story like mm-hmm. it, there was an issue in between i'm not sure why yeah i i like how it's written though um showing the hour by hour yeah it's a good it's a good device but that's it for the hulk magazine um after that the backup feature um and i think this is because they were planning on spinning him off into his own title now yeah because this is only months before moon knight number one came out yeah so they wanted to get a new one, and it's um, Dominic Fortune, Howard Chaikin's uh, creation, Dominic Fortune, appears in Hulk magazine as a backup in the next issue. But then before we get into the ongoing, we get Marvel Preview number 21, which is a full, I think it's like fifty page, a 50-page story about uh, Mark Spector. And Marvel Preview is another one of the black and white magazines that uh, that Ralph Macchio was kind of the associate editor for. And it was originally published in black and white. There's a little note in the Epic Collection here. Um, but it was colored when it was reprinted in Moon Knight Special Edition number three. And in this collection, it, they've printed it in color. So I went and read it both in color and in black and white because I wanted to see kind of the experience of both. And they both provide a pretty unique experience. The black and white one, of course, um, uses a lot of ink wash and, um, and to create kind of a noir feel, which really comes across in with that art style. Um, you lose a little bit about that when you get the flashy colors in the color version, but the color version makes it more feel more in line with the Hulk magazine. So it's a little bit more of a consistent part there. So in contrast to 
a lot of the previous um, stories that we've talked about, this one centers mainly around Mark Spector. Mm -hmm. they, a mysterious package is delivered to Mark, care of Stephen Grant, and it contains a dead body. And this leads him down the trail of the committee. The committee has sort of reared its ugly head again, um, and uh, they've been killing off uh, former members and people that uh, that know about the committee. And so he goes to hunt them down and stop whatever evil they're planning. Um, I like the story a lot. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was well thought out. Um, it got kind of crazier as it went along. Yeah. Um, it started off fairly normal, but then got more kind of comic booky at the end until we have this giant, like it's it's a um it's a person, it's a man, but he's like eight an eight foot tall man whose mind is being controlled, and he has goes into kind of a berserker rage. And yeah, so we have um, Operation Cobra, which was supposedly um, how, about how you could theoretically manipulate a person's brains to to control them and to give them enhanced strength and stuff like that and then by pumping of, them full of chemicals right yeah and then one of the uh one of the members of the committee actually does this on another member of the committee <laughs> that uh that maybe wasn't so useful anymore by the end of this though the committee is basically destroyed yeah. which i think is kind of nice going into the um going into the ongoing series mm -hmm. it's like okay clean slate we don't have to worry about these guys with the backstory and everything like that. And let's just sort of start fresh and move on from here. Marlene plays a nice role in this one, too. She's an active participant and can hold her own. Even though uh, Mark tells her to stay behind all the time. <laughs> yeah, That's okay, though. Yeah. Um, it, in Marvel preview number 21, there's a nice little article or a nice, it's kind of a foreword, but they put it at the end of the issue in this collection by Ralph Macchio talking about his relationship with Moon Knight. And a lot of the stuff you hear here um, is also in um, the interview that I'll, that I did with him. So you'll be able to hear a lot of that, that information there. It's kind of fun. It's a good read. And um, just before we move into the ongoing series, I want to play a little clip of... Um, I want to play a little clip of Bill Sienkiewicz talking about his approach to Moon Knight. I had never heard of Moon Knight. Um, I wasn't much of a werewolf by night reader, so I really didn't know the character. But I mean, I, you know, I knew the, all of the main characters. You know, I mean, I was a, uh, a big fan of both DC and Marvel. So I had, I had this weird mix of, golly gee, I'm really excited. And at the same time, there was this little bit of, you know, anger or yeah. like sort of You're sticking like me with this. Yeah. They said, well, yeah, well, it's like, who's this? It's like, I'm not going to like, able to do like a Hulk pinup or something. <laughs> it's like, you know, or a Hulk story. Right. And then I, I remember asking who Moon Knight was. And uh, it was, I think it was Al Milgram who said it. He's like, he's like Marvel's version of Batman. So yeah. I think that what they did was they, they tried to figure out a character that would work and give him, give me, you know, uh, like the opportunity to do my thing with some of the Neil Adams, Adams influence, with, you know, and of I could course. take the character and do what I want with it in terms of, of the cape and everything. So I kind of went away from the whole Don Perlin, you know, version. Yeah. And I think, um, uh, you know, they offered it to me and, and Joe Rubenstein, I met Joe the first day and he offered to ink my stuff. And then I think they they uh, went to Doug, and you know, because Doug was was 
you know, I mean, I, I'd grown up on Doug's work, so I was certainly aware of who he was. And um, I think I think the, the mandate was, you know, make it idiot proof for the kid, you know. So, I mean, he, he <laughs> spelled out everything, you know, everything for me. So, uh, you know, he, he was really um, I mean, it was such a learning, you know, a, a really drastic learning curve for me working with with, uh, with Doug because I've, I've been used to writing my own stuff, you know, drawing my own stuff. And here I was having to, you know, draw, tell a story and then come up with the looks of these characters, but also draw for somebody else to ink my own work. You know, the idea of me inking my own work at the time, that that was just not the way things were done. You know, you kind of, you know, I was not a writer that you're going to be a penciler kid. That's what you do. And, uh, you know, it took a couple of years for me to actually look up the gumption to say, you know, I really want to, you know, ink and tell stories and do the whole line. You know, sort of chafing and chomping at the bit to, to do my own thing. Okay, first of all, before we get into this, I just want to mention that um, Moon Knight was sort of an experiment for Marvel in that it was it was a, a direct market only comic. It only appeared in comic shops. It never appeared in retail uh, like on spinner racks and it had a higher page count than normal comics at the time because in in the at I think in in this time they shaved down the number of pages so they could put in more advertising but in this one because it was to the direct market it only had in-house advertisements and not as many so you have a, a larger page count so moon knight number 1 this takes place in two time periods. The first one is the flashback for uh, the origin of Moon Knight, which takes, which is before even the Werewolf by Night story. And the second part is... But how could that be? I thought he got his oh, costume I know. <laughs> from the committee. Uh, well, actually, they, they did a good job of explaining that um, throughout the other issues. Like, they, they sort of took that in pieces, Um uh, to to sort of retcon that, <laughs> and I want to play a little clip of of Doug Mensch addressing the change in origin story. That I know was demanded by Jim Shooter. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. He wanted a uh, a real superhero origin, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and so, I mean, he didn't tell me what to do. He just wanted. A real superhero origin, he called it. Okay. So well. it's like, all right, all right. I was, you know, really interested in ancient Egyptian mythology at the time, and uh, I used the Egyptian moon god. Can't you? That's when I put in the Egyptian stuff. The second part of the story takes place in, quote, modern time, um, after all of these other stories in this collection. And so we're introduced to Mark Spector as a mercenary and his uh, partner at the time, Bushman. And uh, Bushman is has no compassion. He is willing to do anything for a dollar um, to the point where he's willing to kill innocent people in order to have access to an Egyptian dig where there could potentially be gold. He doesn't even know. Um, in this, he um, kills Marlene's dad, and that introduces Mark to Marlene. Um, 
Mark is captured and then thrown out into the desert to be uh, left for dead, where he stumbles upon the Egyptian, uh, the Egyptian dig, and uh, falls over dead. Then all of a sudden he wakes up, and maybe it was some sort of fluke, or maybe it was the god Khonshu bringing him back for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Mark goes on to defeat the Bushman and save the community there. And we uh, fast forward to the modern time after he has become Moon Knight and he picks up the trail of Bushman once again. So this retcon of the, of the origin story takes out all of the, the, the werewolf um, symbolism and everything and diverts it to Egyptian, ancient Egyptian symbolism instead. Right. And even um, switches the powers coming from a bite, which actually, as you said, doesn't really happen yeah. in panels, um, to it's gifted from the uh, the Egyptian gods. Now, the interesting thing is uh, that the committee doesn't say that, yes, he does have powers, or uh, even, yes, it comes from a bite. They say, we think he has powers, and we think they may come from a bite that he received. Um, oh, okay. Which is actually kind of convenient because now we can just, it's not even really retconning it. We're just saying they're wrong. They're wrong, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have any idea. Right. Um, so I had to, I wanted to look up Khonshu to see if this was a real figure. Right. And yes, indeed, it is a real figure in, yeah. in ancient Egypt history, the moon god, taker of vengeance. Yes. And I think you noted this already. In this one, Frenchie comes up with a new design for his helicopter, which is the quietest helicopter in the world. Which I'm pretty sure would never fly. Right. <laughs> up until this time, he spent most of his time as Stephen Grant. Um, and uh, in this one, we see a little bit more of Mark, but he's still spending a lot of time as, as Stephen. And so that sort of um, begs the question of who the real Moon Knight is. Um, and like, which is the most w- dominant personality? Well, yeah. Well, and, and uh, like, is Mark Spector actually his real identity or is Stephen Grant, his real identity and right. Mark Spector is the one of the ones that he made up. But this really, this story kind of firmly places Mark Spector before the timeline, the Moon Knight timeline. So, right. Um, but Ian, and in starting, starting around here, I can't remember exactly which issue it was, but, um, when he's talking to Marlene, it seems like maybe he's hinting that he doesn't, it's not really a choice switching between them. Like, it seems like sometimes what he says indicates that he has these multiple personalities as opposed yeah. to just identities that he assumes. Yeah, things are stef- definitely starting to change in that respect yeah. here. So Marlene, fresh out of, out of the hospital, I guess, <laughs> after her <laughs> encounter with Hatchet Man, yeah. um, gets shot. Right, pretty much right away <laughs> after he after she fights um after she follows moon knight into a fight he, again here we see the difference between the magazines and the comics um because um moon knight goes to a quote burlesque club and um all you see are a bunch of legs <laughs> yeah. as opposed to um some of the other things we saw back in the hulk which are <laughs> yeah a lot more risky yeah and uh the bushman uh, it, again, in modern comics, becomes more of one of his greatest arch nemeses 
um, becoming sort of a recurring villain, which is nice. It's good, and they do it well. However, I don't like it when a villain is really overused um, in practically every story, kind of like how Magneto was the villain in the like the first three X-Men movies, and um, Lex Luthor is pretty much the villain in every Superman movie. You know, it's like, let's throw in some variety here. And so Bushman has shown up a little too much in the recent comics. So it's it's nice to see him, like, there's a very, yeah. very clear end to this story here. Like, okay, Bushman is done. We're not really going to see him. For a while. For a while. I think they just want to, like, Moon Knight does have a small rogues gallery. So, of course, you're going to use them. Right. Because why not? Yeah. I also thought it was interesting how this ended with a with great power comes great responsibility type speech. Yeah. <laughs> Issue two, the slasher. Someone is killing homeless men. And Moon Knight hires Crawley to help him find the slasher. Uh, this one is unique because now we get a Crawley origin story. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. And it's a, it's a pretty tragic story of his, of his upbringing. And he plays a, a really big role. And the surprising thing here... Uh, a couple surprising things in this issue. One is that uh, Moon Knight or Jake Lockley tells it, tells Crawley and Jenna that he's Moon Knight. Yeah, and like gets that the secret identity right out of the way, so that he can have an actual useful supporting cast. Unlike yeah. Spider Man, who for many years was on his on his own, and I mean I know the point of that book was that he is a loner. Right, but all and he has a huge supporting cast, but, but, but none, none of them do no. anything. Yeah. yeah, what really surprised me is that um, Jenna allows her, I assume, teenage son, uh, sons yeah. to be involved in this, and she's like, "Okay, as long as you know it's after school." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have no problem you of you going to the clubs where the gangs are meeting and whatever. Like that's fine. Just be home by eight o'clock and make sure all your homework's done yeah i thought that this one was sort of a little bit of a mix of the uh of the the horror and heroic um mm-hmm. aspects of the previous comics right and i thought that it was interesting that the given adjective for moon knight i don't think we see it in this one it was on the it was on issue one is the macabre moon knight oh yeah yeah so Although he's Still. not that macabre. No, he's not. Um, sometimes, but not really. Not really. But then again, that's sort of paying homage to his horror origins. Yeah. I think it was interesting that in this issue, he modifies his truncheon to be nunchucks as well. Right. And it's also a grapple hook, and it just reminds me of Daredevil. Hmm. Yeah. So maybe Moon Knight isn't really a Batman ripoff. Maybe he's a Daredevil ripoff. Well, isn't Daredevil <laughs> a Batman ripoff? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, there we go. It all works together. Yep. I was uh, quite surprised by the ending of this issue. It it ends on a very dark and somber note. I don't even think there's a the end. Because we find out that the slasher is Crawley's son. And Crawley, um, he's going to testify in court, but but finds out that he's his son before he testifies and tries to, and just clams up. And then through a series of events, Crawley's son dies. And it's just... uh, it's just a really like a punch to the gut kind of ending. Yeah, and but it's it's actually very like moving because he says it's kind of his own fault for becoming a drunk and and, and not being there to help raise his son, yeah. right? 
it's like of course it turned out this way and it's all his fault and stuff. Yeah. so i mean it's not really his fault no. in that but he takes that responsibility as a father very heavily yeah yeah it was it's a message to all dads out there yeah that's right be there for your kids or they might grow up to be murderers <laughs> um issue number three midnight means murder we got a new character midnight man <laughs> he's stealing art and he goads um, moon knight into a fight to the death and he only wants to fight because moon knight might beat him in the future <laughs> so he's going to take care of him now <laughs> this reminds me of of um uh lupinar yeah <laughs> it, it, yeah it's just not a totally full fully realized villain again but they can't all be winners None, they can't not. they can't all be conquer lords <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i feel like so far hatchet man has been the uh oh and bushman i guess are the bushman two. yeah we meet a couple more characters in volume two that become yeah, right. pretty good moon knight villains but um we don't have a whole lot of them in this in this volume here but i think that's why when they they brought back moon knight recently that bushman was such a recurring character because he doesn't have this great rogues gallery like some of the other heroes yeah if you go to page 453 in this in issue this is issue three um the top tier is uh a divided panels divided in four of moon knight kind of gliding down to a um some sort of landing um and going into a building and it's just a cool way of splitting up and showing the passage of time but being able to allow um the conversation to flow while he's making those movements and to keep one scene like you keep the scene yeah you draw they draw one scene but they can draw moon knight on it several times without actually causing continuity issues yeah it's a cool little effect there and in the end moon knight steals a painting well the guy's arguably dead and he did agree to the the painting as payment yeah but there's no paper trail like if stephen grant ends up wanting to sell that painting or if anyone looks into it because it's hanging in his gallery publicly for people to see. Well, that's why he donated it. (laughs) Okay, I see. In Moon Knight number four, we have a new committee being formed. Um, So we saw the uh, sort of destruction of the committee in Marvel Previews. previews. Yep. And uh, so somebody is trying to restart up the committee and they have hired a bunch of mercenaries, I guess, to uh, kill Moon Knight slash Mark Spector. And they're all specialists. They're very specialized. They are Boom Boom, who does explosives. Wow. Razor, which is a, quote, blade freak. <laughs> Ice, who is a sniper. Uh, Dragon, who is a karate expert. And Bull who is a, quote, just plain animal. <laughs> he just, he's strong. Okay. Yeah. I think Bull <laughs> very, is... Very on the nose. Isn't he one of the enforcers or something? Well, yeah, isn't he? Um, yeah, I think that is... But it's a different person, but yeah. uh, same name. Also in this, we get a retelling of the Moon Knight origin with the committee. So instead of just completely um, erasing it from history... They we were reintroduced to this idea as actually part of Moon Knight's plan. He sends in Frenchie to infiltrate the committee, and Frenchie proposes the whole Moon Knight idea, and um and then sends him after the werewolves. So this isn't like retconned out. 
it's twisted a little bit so that it fits. Do you think they did that well? I think they did it pretty well. Some of the scenes from the uh, Werewolf by Night, you think you would see Frenchie in there, but you don't. But I mean, it's it's a it's a pretty nice way to sort of uh, wrap up this loose end. It also plays into this story because Frenchie can go back into the new committee to sort of find out what's going on. Although I find it odd how easily he's able to do this. Right. It's just, hey, I've been gone forever, but I was a higher <laughs> up in the old committee. Therefore, I am a higher up yeah, in this new committee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think um, it. I found it to be a little bit of a stretch, but um, knowing that he was he was demanded to do it by Jim Shooter, yeah, um, which in the interview he calls his arch nemesis, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's I think it's understandable. It's it's a perf- perfectly serviceable explanation, but nothing really more than that. And this mm-hmm. whole issue is built around having to tell that story, right. But he does get good use out of his new nunchuck truncheons when he fights the dragon. Oh, yes. Yeah, rounding out this one, this uh, volume, um, the Moon Knight series actually did quite well. And so they released special editions that reprinted the magazine stories uh, with new covers by Bill Zinkevich. And um, they're, they're just, they're really nice. Yeah, they're re- really great. And then the Moon Knight portfolio just a whole bunch of pinups that fa- are found in the special editions as well by Bill Sienkiewicz. Cool stuff there too. Just I'm glad they're included. A little introduction by Jim Shooter as well that from the special edition as well. Some house ads and uh, some other covers to various different magazines and reprints that Moon Knight has been a, a part of as well as some original art pages which are shrunk to four to a page so you can't really make out a, a whole lot of the details which is too bad. Having gone through this collection, what are your final thoughts? I'm glad that they put all of these issues in a collection, um, even if it doesn't really flow very well. And I really liked the contrast between the different uh, the different Moon Knight styles. I mean, I've mentioned it a couple times, but... Um, the horror style and then the more heroic style and um, everything in between. It's something that you don't really see in Moon Knight anymore. So Mm -hmm. it's good to see those differences. (laughs) I think it would be a shock to the system for people who are only familiar with modern Moon Knight to go back and read this original stuff. Because it's not like Spider-Man where, you know, you pick up, if you're reading modern Spider-Man and then you pick up 1960s Spider-Man, it's not that far off. Like, Especially after Brand New Day. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, writing and artwork and stuff has evolved, but the character has pretty much remained the same. Right. And even his origin is pretty similar to... I I don't think it's even really changed at all. I don't except think it in has. some modern versions, they say it's a genetically altered spider as opposed to a radioactive spider. But uh, that's a minor change. Yeah. It's like, but this right. one is like his character, his whole reason for existence is right. so completely different. And even how he uses his different personalities is yeah. so very different. So, Well, even like but, I said, in, in, in the newer comics, it is a mental disorder. It is a, it is yeah. uh, dissociative identities. And this is very much not at this point. Um, yeah. And in the newer comics, it's even to the point where, well, maybe 
Moon Knight is a separate identity and maybe Khonshu doesn't actually exist. Maybe it's just another voice in his head or something. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to tackle the next volume of Moon Knight because it just uh, it just gets better. Right. Because now Doug and Bill are a solid team. Mm-hmm. They know where they're going. They right. have a direction. And, and I think I think that's the biggest thing there. I'm looking forward to this as well because, as we've already said, in in volume one, because it's so many separate stories in different titles over a span of several years, there's no direction to the Moon Knight character. And in these first four issues of the ongoing series, we're not really even seeing anything there either. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to actually seeing Moon Knight with some intentionality and some sort of actual focus. So is this the next volume that we're going to tackle on this show, or do we want to go back to Fantastic Four? Whichever. Why don't we continue on with Moon Knight then? Sure. Because I have the interviews already... Uh, recorded and such and uh, we might as well there's only two Moon Knight volumes it's been two years I think and there hasn't been a third volume out Mm -hmm. the third volume would complete this series and then volume four if there is a volume four would start the Mark Spector stuff right I think there's a mini series in there 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 have been several Moon Knight series mini series um, and I think some but, of them are between the series and yes. the Mark Spector series. Yeah. But yeah, and then the Mark Spector series is the next ongoing one, and that's in the 90s. Yeah. So um, as of this recording, we're not sure if the Epic Collections will go that far. We don't know where they're going to stop, but we would really like to see Volume 3 here. But yeah, let's talk about Volume 2. Sure. I think that'll be fun. Yeah. Maybe we can get that done around spring break or something. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's it. Thanks for being on the show. No problem. And we will catch everyone next time. 